Welcome, you are listening to the Twice Over Movies Podcast. In these first few episodes, I want to spend just a couple of minutes explaining who we are and what we are doing with this podcast and website. So as you can tell, this podcast is specifically about movies. My name is Faraz and I'll be hosting each episode alongside a rotating co-host between Fahad, Yusuf, and Faran. Each episode is for one movie. We will spend 10 to 20 minutes discussing our scores without giving away any major spoilers. Afterwards, we will have a spoiler alert and then we will dive into a deeper discussion into the movie. And that will go as long as it goes, maybe 15 to 45 additional minutes. Our scores are broken into five segments of a movie. First, acting, defined as the execution of the writing and story by the actors. Second, direction and plot, defined as the entertainment value, pace, and audience connection. Third is the writing, which is defined as primarily the dialogue. Fourth is the cinematography and photography, defined as the visual appeal of the movie. Fifth, themes and motifs, defined as the presentation of the underlying message and or idea. For each of these categories, we assess if it was substantive, purposeful, logical, engaging, satisfying, clear, consistent, etc. This is where the website comes into play. Depending on how you order the importance of the categories mentioned, you will get a composite score indicating the strength of the movie on your standards. Currently, you will see a score based only on how the host rated the movie, but we have every intention to include you into the process to add a community score alongside the host score. We hope you enjoyed the podcast, continue listening, and support us. Now on to the episode. All right, I remember you. And I'll admit, I was a little curt that night. Curt? Okay, I was an asshole. I can admit that. Okay. But requesting Iran from a serious musician is just, it's too far. My lord, did you just say a serious musician? I don't think so. Can I borrow what you're wearing? Why? Because I have an audition next week. I'm playing a serious firefighter. So you're an actress. I thought you looked familiar. Have I seen you in anything? Uh, the coffee shop on the Warner Brothers lot. That's a classic. Oh, I see. Yeah. You're a barista. And I can see how you could then look down on me from all the way up there. I'm done. Next set. He doesn't, I don't, he doesn't tell me what to do. He just told you what to I do. I know, he, I let him. What's your name? Mia. Mia. Guess I'll see you in the movies. Hey everyone, this is Faraz. Yeah, this is Faran. Today we're discussing La La Land 2016 film directed by Damien Chazelle. All right, so we're going to get right to it. We're going to start with our scores. Faran, I gave this writing score a 65. What about you? 65? 65, yeah. What, really? I was going to say, I didn't think it was anything compelling. Uh, if 70 is average, it was probably just below average. It wasn't bad, but... Quick edit here. After further discussion that comes after the spoiler alert, I did end up changing my writing score from a 65 to a 75. Yeah, I don't think it was. Um, <laughs> I would give it a 65. I went with an 80. I mean, I did it. It's not. It's definitely not the strong point of this movie. 80 is a little strong, I think. I mean, if we're saying 70 is like an acceptably good, decent, average script that you see in a movie, you're saying this is definitely better than most. Ah, uh, yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Writing's just dialogue, right? Yeah, it is. Writing writing is just dialogue. Now, this is kind of tricky because this is a musical, right? So, because some of the lyrics are good in the songs. Yeah. And they obviously play a large role in the story. Um, but I, I kind of considered that part of writing and I still gave it a 65. Okay. Yeah, I considered that part of the writing and I gave it an 80. <laughs> All right. We'll get into that. All right. What about your acting score? Acting was, I think, one of the strong points of this movie. 
I'm going to give it a 90 just because I'm, I don't want to be too extreme after yesterday or after last time. Yeah, no, I actually agree with you. Uh, acting is pretty good. I gave it an 85. Emma Stone is just great, honestly. Like every time there was an, a reaction or an emotion that needed to be displayed, so she just natural. did it so perfectly that I felt it. I felt Absolutely. that emotion with her. So 85, 90. I mean, we're pretty close in terms of mm-hmm. what we thought about the acting. All right, what about the cinematography? What do you think? <laughs> I gave it a 90. I mean, it's one of the strong points of like most musicals. And in this movie, it's just, it's really good. There's a lot of great shots throughout the movie. I mean, they have, you know, big landscape type shots that show like the city and like the sunset, a lot of twilight shots. And then you have like the close-up shots in the bar um, or at the restaurant of them, like, you know, uh, singing or him playing the piano at the jazz club or right outside i don't know there was a lot of a lot of great shots and i they were very noticeable look i didn't want to be too extreme after moonrise kingdom so i went with the 95 okay no yeah we're i mean we're pretty much in agreement there that's very close it's this is so compelling visually to watch it is uh yeah it deserves a 95 i believe I, I mean, I, I could give it a 95, but I stuck with 90. I don't want to get too crazy. What did you get for direction and plot? What's your score for that? I give it an 80. It's uh, above average. It's pretty good. It's easy to follow the story. I actually liked the plot in, in itself. The I really liked how it ended. I liked the story as it progressed throughout. And even though it's somewhat predictable, I don't think uh, it's meant to be, you know, a story that you got to sit back and think and be like, oh my God, what's going to happen next? You kind of know what's going to happen but it's presented well there's no point of confusion and you're enjoying the story in general and the direction is great and it flows well i'm kind of torn there are parts of this movie that are so well executed some ideas that are so well thought out and then some that are just like surprisingly forced cliche and i like unnatural there are certain parts that are i believe just they, you know it just doesn't belong in the in the like full frame of this movie so i went with an 85 because of the parts that they did do well i think they did so well honestly we're very close other than the writing what was your themes and motifs score yeah themes and motifs is uh that was a tough one i gave an 85 as well because of a couple of ideas that are that i think that they did really well to be honest with you i don't know there's probably a little bias in that i'm gonna probably change that to an 80 just because there weren't there weren't a whole lot of themes and motifs yeah so i give it a 65 just under below like just under average because of what you said for the direction points which was a lot of cliche and it was kind of in your face and obvious and not really subtle in terms of the what the theme was and there was only one real theme uh, i mean i would just say it's the theme of you know pursuing your dreams the sacrifice that you make to pursue that dream, whether it's for love or what, right? I I just think it was very one-dimensional in that category. So that's why I went with 65. Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess that one, they did do pretty well, but not exceptionally well. They did it extraordinarily well. (laughs) I don't know about that. Okay, fine. We we disagree. All right, so this is a spoiler alert, guys. At this point, we're going to go into details of the movie. And if you have not watched this movie and do want to watch it without getting spoiled, we advise you stop listening now and come back after you've watched it. And if you don't care and have already seen it, you can continue listening. You should care. Uh, I think you should care. I actually like this movie a lot. I'm not going to lie. Like musicals are one of my, they're they're up there with like <laughs> like random rom-coms that I just genuinely enjoy watching. Yeah, you out of all people in the world, I can totally imagine. <laughs> I can totally imagine you saying that. 
I did. It's just it's one of those kind of movies where it's made to entertain and like have you leaving the theater feeling good, and it does that. Where did you first watch this movie? Can I ask you that? I I watched it with my wife in the theater right around Oscar season. So whenever it came out in 2016, we probably watched it that December 2016. So you okay? So you kind of already knew that this was going to be that kind of a movie, like. Something deserving of your attention. Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, I knew it was gonna be a good movie, and I knew like my wife would enjoy it, and I like musicals, so I would enjoy it. So we went and watched it. See, so my experience was that I have um, I I had friends who had seen the movie, and they're not the most uh, you know, reliable friends in terms of opinions on movies, and they all said it was good. And my wife and I happened to be in a theater, and then we we just went to the movie theater. We were in the mall, and we went to the movie theater. And then we're like, all right, what movie are we going to watch? And she's like, La La Land. And I'm like, what the hell is this movie? This is that dumbass movie that people have been talking about. I guess, okay, whatever. We'll go watch it. It'll make her happy. We were in the first year of getting married. Your contrarian nature was coming out. We were still we were still in our honeymoon phase. I was like, whatever. Uh, you know, this is going to bite me in the ass if we don't watch this. So we go to watch the movie. I didn't even know it was a musical. I didn't even know who was in it. I just knew the movie was called La La Land and that, um, you know, there was a little bit of buzz among people who um, whose opinions I did not trust. So it starts and the girl starts singing and I'm like, this is going to be like Glee. I can't, I'm not going to be able to stay in this movie. I swear to God, like 30 seconds into that song, I was hooked. I was like, okay, this is completely different. This is going, this is what they're, what they're doing right now is amazing. Like that first scene, I feel like the, see, I feel like the first maybe like 20 minutes, 25 minutes of the movie were, where most of the cinematography shined. Like most of the, like the first 25 minutes, you've got that first scene, which I mean, we'll get into that, but that's one of the best scenes of uh, anything I've ever I've ever seen filmed. Okay, so I, I have a question: How many musicals have you seen? Uh, American, like U.S. musicals. I'm not talking like uh, like Bollywood. Well, right. So I mean, Bollywood is one of the reasons that I was like, oh, this is gonna be so stupid. Once I found out it was a musical. Yeah, you have a bias coming into it. <laughs> yeah, I had definitely a lot of bias coming into it. Um, no, I've I've definitely seen some. Some has been a while, but um. Some I've seen more kind of recently. I've seen some that are traditional musicals, some that are not very traditional musicals, like the movie Once, um, which I was very close to putting on my list, but I, I chose this one over that one. I remember. I remember that one. Yeah. Um, not a traditional musical, but this was a very, very traditional musical. It's not just the fact that it was a musical. It's the amount of moving parts that the director managed so well. Well, see, the thing is, I'm going to say I, those weren't anything new because like you had those kind of shots in Singing in the Rain or uh, Chicago or Greece. Or, like, I mean, musicals like have that because, you know, you have a large group, you have choreography, you have these dances that are happening in, happening in unison. So you have like these big, like, you know, sweeping shots from up top looking down. You have these color schemes. I mean, it all looks really, really incredible and it's super impressive. I'm always impressed like they can get all these people to do the same thing mm -hmm. on screen at once and make it look this good. So, I mean, I get where you're coming from, but I didn't find it to be so unique to La La Land. I mean, they did it well. They they executed the stuff just as well as any movie. Let me tell you why. Let me tell you why I thought that this was why I thought this was unique. That first scene, there were maybe and I don't you know, and this might not even be true. There were and I examined it pretty closely. There were maybe only three parts where that scene was cut. Everything else, you know, the da the dancers and the singers, you know, all these people, 
if you think about the first scene, they had to close off a ramp of the highway. <laughs> they had to close off a whole ramp on this highway in what I presume to be Los Angeles, which is the busiest traffic, one of the busiest traffic places, if not the big, uh, busiest in the United States, let alone the world, in order to get this scene to happen. How much time did they have to put behind the scenes in order to get, the, you know, in order to make this work on this busy, busy ramp with all of these cars and they were all, you know, it was, they were all in it together. They're taking up time and they're taking up a lot of money to close this ramp, but they happen to do it and they happen to do it so well, so perfectly. And what I loved is that, you know, there were, like I said, there were maybe only three parts where the, that first scene could have been cut, like opportunities to cut it. And there might, they might not even book it. It might've all been one, it might've all been one cut. I think there was at least two, but the way that it transitions into just going straight into the movie, they finish the song and everyone gets in their door or into the car, they shut their doors and you know, the camera is kind of, it's looking over the top and then it slowly comes down. And it goes right into the movie. Yeah. We go looking right into Ryan's car, Ryan Gosling's car, and Emma Stone's car, straight into the movie. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree with you. It was it was great, but I I feel like well, that's here. That's the first part. That's the first mm-hmm. part of it. You know me. I I like to focus on details. If you look back at the movie, and I don't know, maybe you did this too. Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone's cars. Did you do you see them in that whole sequence? Uh, actually, no, I did not. Re- I don't like to do that where I rewind back to look for it. So I didn't see it in my first watch, like their cars in the dancing sequence. I assume you're asking in the first song, right? Right, right. I made it a point to look back. I couldn't find them anywhere. I could not find them anywhere. But right before they, you know, they everybody closed the song. Then the camera goes up like over the top to uh, see all the cars all at once. And then it comes back down. And in that time, which is like 12 seconds, I think it was, they had to move the cars into the scene. The cars changed. Oh, okay, okay. So some of the cars had to move <laughs> out of the way. So the like the car that was in front of Emma Stone's car was not was at a different location <laughs> prior to the scene. So that takes a lot of, I mean it was just really masterfully thought of so that they can make it so seamless. And so um, maybe I'm harping on that first scene way too much, but I just really, really loved it. Generally speaking, like I agree with you, right? Cause my cinematography, cinematography score is also like just with you. You're at 95, I'm yeah. at 90. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get yeah. it. I, I think you are uh, giving La La Land in itself too much credit. There's, I feel like, I just think that a lot of musicals have the same detail-oriented shots throughout because it. a lot of musicals, do they rely on long shots, especially if there's dancing. You can't have right, like right. dancing in a bunch of cuts. It just doesn't look the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's why Bollywood sucks. Yeah, I kind of agree with you, kind of. <laughs> I you maybe you're you maybe you're right about that you know because if you think about a Broadway play it is literally all one take it, you know so maybe that's maybe that's true I just talked about the, all the moving parts and how they had to really choreograph all of that at the same time um, so there's so many variables in there but they did you know they, I think they did it pretty well another thing I lo- I I noticed there were many moments 
in this whole movie where the director chose to play with light and like the absence of it or they would dim the lights or they would highlight a character yeah was that something that you like kind of clued in on what what were your thoughts about that what, were, what do you think was well, the purpose of now that you mentioned it a couple times that it like comes into mind is only when uh sebastian ryan gosling's character is at the piano like in the zone playing and it's like just him so that's what we're i mean i think that's what the director is trying to show like you know he's in his zone it says him and the piano and you're kind of in that space with him what other moments were there like that uh i'm trying to think okay so when like towards the end of the movie when emma stone's character mia she comes home to hear uh jazz playing in the apartment and she hasn't been in contact with Sebastian for a few weeks now. Like she just got off the phone, leaving a voicemail saying, hey, I haven't talked to you in a while. And she mm-hmm, comes in mm-hmm. and like, there's like this bright light at her face and this is zoomed right in. And like, obviously, like we said, she's an incredible actress and she has like the perfect expression on her face every time to show what like she's seeing. Uh, other than like those two moments right now off the top of my head, what other moments are you thinking about? So that's actually, so that's actually not even that's not even one of the moments. It kind of has that effect, but that was that wasn't actually one of the moments. So the first two times this happens, she's looking in the mirror. Oh yeah, um, yeah, so yeah. The very first time, she's in her bathroom. She just got out of the shower. She's in her bathroom. She's looking in the mirror, and she's kind of just kind of looking just dreamingly into the mirror, like kind of full of hope for the future. The second time is at that party that she goes to. She goes to the bathroom. Same thing in the bathroom, in the mirror. And it's the same exact thing. She's looking in the mirror. It dims for the third time in the movie when he's playing the piano. And that's, you know, that's when we get to see how passionate he is, just like you said. Um, because it's kind of like, what would you call it? It's like a highlight or like a, um, I don't know what the theater term would be for it. But. So it's the spotlight. The spotlight's on him darkens out everything around him there you go that's exactly it's a spotlight you know that's the third time is when he's playing the piano in the in the club and she walks in when she walks in you know it's she's also spotlighted um into the club and then outside of those moments um there's a couple but they're mostly like i said they're mostly in that first 25 minutes Another really great part of the movie where the where the director does use to choose to spotlight her in particular is when she's telling the story of her aunt in uh, her yeah. aunt in Paris when she's at the audition and she sings that that the that song and she does like a freaking amazing job on that's her best singing performance I thought of the whole of the whole entire movie you know that scene was amazing and again the lights are you know she's spotlighted. Um, and then it's it's he's then he is spotlighted when he's playing that theme song mm-hmm. again in the club at the very end of the movie, and it kind of it they're both spotlighted in that moment, like her in the crowd and he up on stage. I just thought that that was so interesting. Yeah, it's like just them two in the room pretty much at that point. Yeah, and then there was one moment when the trumpet solo at that's at that very end sequence is also spotlighted. That I don't know why. I have a theory on the other stuff. You know, I mean, I guess this we can transition a little bit into this uh, theme and motif section. Yeah, let's do that because that's a section that we have a disagreement on, at least based on our scores. Sure. You know, the the premise of the movie, I mean, you kind of touched on it. There's a premise that you will not be successful, at least in Los Angeles, um, doing 
what you love and also being with who you love. Yeah. You kind of have to choose one. To make a sacrifice. Or the other. You got to make a sacrifice specifically with, you know, being with somebody that you love. Because in the whole movie, when he is successful, they don't have time together. At the end of the movie, when she ends up being successful, they are not together. Well, you could say they're both successful at that point because he's also achieved like what his passion, his right? Dream but was. they weren't. They didn't have time. He didn't have any time for her. But it's like too late. Yeah, it's too late for that. Well, what do you think about that? So, like, I actually wrote this question down. I'm like, all right, they pursued and achieved their dreams individually at the cost of mm-hmm. their relationship. With the way the movie ended, and like, um, we can only assume that uh, that what if scenario that plays out while he's playing the piano at the very end where we can only assume that this is something Mia is thinking in her head. Right. Or maybe even like they're both thinking while that moment is happening, they're both thinking about all the what ifs. So with that shown and like that feeling that it, it, you know, brings up in the audience, do you think it was worth it that they pursued and achieved their dreams, sacrificed their relationship that they had? Was it worth it for it? That's a great question. And that is, I mean, that's kind of the eternal question. You know what I mean? It really is. I mean, yeah, there really is no answer to it. When they're both together, that's so that's that's what the director plays with throughout the entire movie. You'll notice whenever they are both together and happy, it is always a fairy tale. Yeah. Right? That's their, quote, la-la land. Mm-hmm. Is when they're both together and they're happy. Yep. And so... You know, it's kind of like a, it's sort of bleak, but it's the the premise is sort of that we, you know, it's real love is not achievable unless you give up on the rest of the stuff that's important to you in your life. (laughs) Now, okay, so this is, I think we have a difference in uh, opinion here. So I'm a, my thing is that that's a little too cliche. I mean, yeah, that's Hollywood. Like that's exactly what you expect to see and while he did deliver it the director delivered it you know adequately and it was well done i mean just it being cliche didn't make it so impressive to me i think you see every theme and motif is cliche though <laughs> everything anything that anybody wants to teach you in life is going to be cliche but it's cliche because it's true right because we hear it so many times and we're like oh that's so over that's so overplayed yeah, but that's kind of what makes it true. That's what makes a theme at all true and cliche. So it's always going to be cliche. And but you're right to say that it is, you know, it is kind of it's probably overplayed. People probably talk about that too much, the tragedy of you know, the tragedy of love and success. But yeah. here's why I the, I think that in this movie the theme and motif kind of plays into the direction quite a bit. There's a lot of setting up that the director does that I believe he does before a song with Emma Stone and Ryan Gosling to let you know, hey, there's about to be a fairy tale song where it's not you question whether it's even real, whether they were actually even singing and dancing or if they're just really actually just having a conversation. But it's so to them, it's so I guess it's such a good connection that they have that it's like a fairy tale that's kind of the sense that i got and maybe i'm reading way too much into this but you know like take take this you know what a waste of a lovely night that scene yeah you remember that scene right that's after they're uh 
after they're at the party, they're leaving the party, they're looking for their cars. Yep, yep. It's like basically the like the poster shot that they have is like from this scene right here. I don't know if that's by the Griffith Conservatory or what, but it's up in the hills somewhere. Yeah. Up in the hill somewhere. So that scene starts at about 31, 31 minutes and 50 seconds in. Let's call it 32 minutes into the movie is when that scene starts. It doesn't end until 37 minutes in. So there's six minutes. And that is all, again, that's all one take. That involves yeah. their conversation. They're walking up the hill. They're dancing. They Well, they stumble upon this view. They start singing and they dance in synchrony. And they yeah. transition out of that scene into the next one. That was a great scene, man. That was a great scene. That's one of the. It's one of those like shots where it's like, man, the cinematography in this movie is incredible. Exactly right, right. So before that scene, he sets up the. He plays songs in the background that are going to be sung. So the, you know, kind of the melody for that song. Yeah. You actually hear it while they're walking up just as because, it, you know, they starts off when they're walking with like cars and all lining the streets in the background. It's all real life stuff. Right. But as soon as they walk, you kind of, you know, as soon as the camera moves away from that and then you start to get a glimpse of something that's not in the same world where they in where they were in. That's when a song starts playing. Then you stumble upon this beautiful shot of Los Angeles in the back, right? Yep. And then the song gets a little more, and you can start to hear in the background a little bit more. And then they start singing and they start dancing. And then we're done. They're done with the dance song and dance sequence. Then they're they go back to kind of like you know real life. So that song and dance sequence, and that among others is kind of their la la land. That's their fairy tale. That's when they're both happy. And they're both together. I mean, that's when they're like first really getting to like know one another too. Right. Actually, I th I wrote this down. I felt that even though they made it like you know super obvious from the very start that all right here are the two love interests like you said at the after the first song you see them in the car like all right there you go they're your two the love interests in the movie and then the anticipation that they play out for the next so this happened like you said after the thirty minute mark for the next like twenty plus minutes. Like you're there's actually good character development here happening. You're getting to understand who Mia is and who uh, Sebastian mm -hmm. is. And when they do meet, I mean, obviously, you you already are rooting for them. You, you like both of them very much and you want them to work it out. That's so interesting. You see that I say that I literally have that. I literally have that in my notes. See, I think that goes, that's just a, kind of a testament to their, that's a testament to their acting. Their acting is incredible, man. Ryan Gosling, I mean, he, he did a good job, but Emma Stone was just like another level. She was just so good. I wrote down so many times where I was just like, man, like her reaction is just incredible. Yeah, so when she has like that bad audition, right? She has an audition, like a callback, mm -hmm. but... Yeah. At the callback, the director like hears one word and he says, all right, that's enough. And she just has to walk. Yeah. And when she's driving back, this is after Sebastian. Sebastian already made that date with her for to watch Rebel Without a Cause, and she drives by the theater. She sees the you know the movie, and she's like reminded, like, oh yeah, I have this coming up with Sebastian. And then she just has like the smile in her on her face that's like everything's cool, even though I just had a horrible audition. And it's like, man, she's so good at that. And then another one, 
when uh, she obviously is late to that date for uh, the movie theater because she forgot that she had to go to dinner with like her boyfriend Greg and his brother or whatever, and she leaves them, gets to the theater, and then when she, like they both like see each other in the theater, he just stands up with his goofy smile, and yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's just it's just good stuff like that that just makes you smile throughout the movie, and it's it's just so well done. Yeah, and I I I mean I have that exact scene in my notes. She, I mean, I could go on forever talking about her acting in this movie and in other movies. She is so, I think she's so underrated. And her acting in this movie is one of the best performances I've seen because... I was I was actually thinking that too. Like, I'm like, I know she's a good actress and I've, I've seen her and stuff and been like, you know, very like, oh, she's pretty good. But watching this movie again, I was like, man, she's not good. She's like, great. She's amazing. She is. I, you know, the thing is, she she's very when she shows emotion it is so believable yeah it is so real it's so natural where you're i mean you like watching her you're like i i know who that is i i know people who look like that when they're in the same situation you know she's just so good at bringing real life emotions to the screen it's i don't i can't think of anybody who does it who really does it better? That scene that you're that you're mentioning, I mean, she completely forgot everything about that audition. Immediately, she was happy. She was excited for her date with Ryan. Like she was gushing. We see her like you know, kind of twirling with her air. She even yeah. kind of blushes a little bit. What's I think her what was even better was when we actually see her, when like her actual boyfriend comes to her, and her smile is so forced. Yeah, yeah, like it's. It's so clearly obvious that uh, like she, she she just plays it well, like what's genuine and what's not, and yeah. she acts it like perfectly. Impressive, yeah. man. And she does it while I mean, <laughs> you know how you know we were talking about uh, Moonrise Kingdom and people are just waiting for their lines. She yeah. is somebody who does not do that. Yeah, she, she really seems like super engaged, like as if she's in that conversation. So she's, I mean. Speaking of her emotion, I mean, did you notice her signature laugh when she's crying? She has like a yeah, like, she has like a scoff kind of. Like brings her head forward and up and just scoff. yeah, yeah. It's it's like authentic, man. It's just so it's authentic. Good. It's authentic, but you know that. Who knows how long she has worked on that craft? I mean, she is, she's really she's done that character in this movie so well. She's kind of like desperate you know, for, for any role that would come her way. And, you know, she's, I don't know. I feel like she's a little too trusting maybe even at the beginning. I don't know if that's, maybe that's a stretch, but uh, that's, that was a trusting stretch. Trusting of what? Trusting of life, you know? Oh yeah. That'll work out. Yeah. 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 That she's going to all these auditions. She's, she's basically facing rejection every single time, but she's still just, She's kind of just picking herself up again. And there are moments where she just feels, you know, um, down. But as soon as she hears about another audition, she's right on it. And it's funny that one time that she like truly gives up is is like when Sebastian doesn't make it to her one woman show at yeah. the theater. And like she just doesn't have someone to lean on. So like she actually just breaks down. It's like, I'm out of here. I don't want to do this. Yeah. God, that scene was incredible, too. It was. That was actually great acting by Ryan Gosling as well. I, I've always thought he was a good actor too. But, uh, you know, when I saw this movie, I was like, okay, 
okay, he's a, he's really, really good. He generally always has like that subdued, like laid back acting feel to him. But there's this one point when, like, when he goes all the way to what's the hometown that Mia is from? I forget. But like, he goes back, you know, to the house in front of the library, and like, she doesn't want to go out to this callback or whatever that uh, Ryan, like, you know, that Sebastian has for her, like. And he's like, you're a baby. Yeah, he's he just starts yelling like at the top of his lungs. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Just perfectly well, man. Yeah, almost believable, but like you don't see it coming. Yet it's still believable. But that's kind of his character too, right? This was, I I like this. I like him in this movie because he plays a different character than he usually does. He always has a subdued, like, kind of just chilled, laid back, but really somehow still suave dude, right? He's a lot more neurotic in this movie. He's not the same. I don't think he's the same character. There are moments. He's uh, he's like more passionate. Way more passionate. Like when he's talking about jazz, he gets into it. Like you can see his like vein popping on his forehead, and he's like, yeah. like his hair is just shaking in the front. Like, he's well, like, into he's, it. He's obsessive compulsive about it. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, he is. Like this is what I this is what I saw of his character. Neurotic, a little obsessive compulsive, not very friendly. And he's a dude who values creativity and his love for, you know, authentic jazz more than real life problems like past due bills. And so and like when it's when he goes goes to his apartment, he sees his sister and they're talking this whole time. She's like, why can't you get your life together? He's like, you know, I am getting my life together. My life is jazz. And, um, <laughs> you know, that's such a stark contrast to what he ends up doing in the in you know the middle of the movie joining that band that's completely not authentic jazz oh okay you you brought that up let's talk about it i want to talk about it what do you feel about john legend's role in this movie Uh, he's the one black guy who doesn't care about the integrity or like the history of jazz i thought (laughs) it was kind of weird well i i don't think he did it's you know at least the way that they said it I I didn't like him in this movie. I I thought that that was really I thought that that was really forced, and that's one of the decisions that I'm talking about that I thought was really forced. Honestly, outside of Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, uh, there wasn't really any great acting in this movie. Yeah, there's nothing. There's nothing memorable. There's nobody else. Everybody else. If you just took out Ryan Gosling and Emma Stone, this is an average, below average, <laughs> probably movie with you know like subpar acting and john legend is just one of those i just thought it was a it was a forced thing that it was meant to be like a oh he's in this movie like when you see him and you're like oh it's john legend and then when he sings you're you're meant to be like oh he's such a good voice and all this stuff i mean he is though he is a good <laughs> he does have a great voice but i just don't think that um you know i i don't know i don't i don't see how he totally belonged he had one good line. Uh, maybe maybe we can get into the writing here because you gave it a pretty high score. Um, I wrote down some quotes for this movie, actually. So this is what John Legend's character said to Sebastian Ryan Gosling's character because he's trying to convince Ryan Gosling to join the band and, you know, make a good living, make some money. And he says about jazz, he's like, these guys, the ones that uh, Ryan Gosling looked up to, or Sebastian, I should say, these guys were revolutionaries. How are you going to be a revolutionary if you're such a traditionalist? You hold on onto the past, but jazz is about the future. I thought that was like the one line to like kind of... See, but that's the thing. The whole movie, 
That's like the one line in the whole movie outside of the songs that was so forced that that, that dude's not going to talk like that. That's what I'm saying. Like, it's almost like a, an excuse to give, you know, the movie like, hey, look, yeah, he's like this one guy who is quote unquote selling out, but they forced that line in there to kind of, you know, bring yeah. it back a little like, look, yeah, we, we get it. But there is a reason why he's doing. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. I see. I I just didn't. I think that that's one of the parts that was um, maybe even just kind of rushed. I I think they could have put a little bit more thought into that scene because the context that he's saying that line is that they're kind of in an argument. They didn't happen. They weren't in an argument. They were just sitting at the side, and he yeah. Just he, I think yeah. Sebastian was just quiet. <laughs> he wasn't. He wasn't saying anything. Really. And that's what something you would say in an argument. Where yeah. he's just like, you're not, you know, you're stuck in the past and stuff. Well, there's a reason that he was in the, he was at the place playing music with you. He obviously wants to join your band and join whatever revolution you're talking about. I just thought that it was so rushed and forced. I don't know. I, I, I kind of got some, a sense of that a little bit throughout the movie. There were some, there were some scenes that I think the director probably just thought of <laughs> when he was, you know, uh, random points in his life was like okay i'm gonna put this into a movie this is a great scene um mm, yeah and just try, try to find a way to fit it in try to find a way to fit it in i think this is one of those a lot of them i didn't mind it was clear that that was what was going on but i didn't mind because it was so well you know like you know we can again, kind of transition back to the cinematography a lot of this movie is an homage to a couple of things one oldies oldies movies yeah there's a lot of like homages i have this written down too actually older hollywood movies with like the shots with the neon lights right the the driving the kind of blurred out like overlooking the city shots i mean it, it really gave you that old time old movie vibe right right so that that's definitely that was something that he was really really trying to play on and and i think that he did that really well because of the context of the movie is in Hollywood. And in the background, you see, you know, you see what seem to be old sets and you see like these actors who are acting in movies that are taking place in kind of like a different time frame in the background. And you see uh, a lot of it's just an homage to old Hollywood and old Hollywood movies in general. And specifically, Silent films. You know the movie when they were at the the song when they were at the Griffith uh, Observatory. The song that was playing. The song that was playing. I don't remember in particular. It was something that you would hear in a silent movie. Oh, like like a piano. Yep. Like basically guiding the movement. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. There was not a single. There was not a piece of dialogue in that. Yeah. yeah. It was all quiet. It was a song. And so yep. I think that that whole that whole scene is just an homage to silent movies, and even when you watch that scene and you watch the way that it um, that it plays out, that's kind of the that's the feel that you get. You f- you feel like you're watching a silent silent movie. I mean, yeah, I definitely see that. It's I mean, that's part of the title too. I think like when it says La La Land, I mean that is Los Angeles. It is La La Land. So that's why that's why I, mean, I think he did it well. Speaking to that scene specifically, you know, when she's standing at the front of that movie theater, and you see like the the screen behind her and just her mm-hmm. and her face, that expression, that 
that seems like something you would see in an old silent movie. When they see the Tesla coil, when they go to the museum, you remember when they see that Tesla coil? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, even the way that those scenes are transitioned out of. It's a very, very old school, 1920s, Charlie Chaplin-esque. Yeah, like with the circle, like zooming in, out of it. Yeah. Closes up in a circle. That exactly. is a silent movie. Um, and the music was 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 just like that. So I thought that that was really, I, you know, I, I, I don't know if other people would pick up on that because who knows what a silent movie is like nowadays. But yeah, I happen to love people. Charlie Chaplin. So I thought that that was really impressive. And um, yeah, that's part of the, again, that's part of the reason that I gave the cinematography so high. That's part of the reason that I gave the direction. I'm so torn about the direction there because there are pieces like that. And then there are pieces about the John Legend thing that, <laughs> I don't know what to ma- I don't know what to make of it. I think this could have been better if certain parts were omitted or just paid more attention to. This could have been one of the best movies of of this like of this generation, but as far as the musical goes, it's definitely up there for this generation. It's I don't know a better musical I've seen in the last 20 years plus. All right, so I, I have actually one thing maybe we could finish off with this. Um, it's another quote I wrote down from the movie, but it also ties into the themes that we were talking about. One of the themes, I think, uh, just on its own is passion, right? The passion to go out and be something or be, do something that's great. Emma Stone's character, Mia, says this. She says this to Sebastian when they're fighting after Sebastian is trying to like, have this nice romantic dinner with her after not seeing her for so long. And they eventually start fighting and bickering because they're not seeing each other. And Ryan or Sebastian is in this life of touring, doing something he's not really into at all. You know, she's working on her play and has like nothing has really taken off for her yet. So she tells him or he tells her that, oh, no one likes jazz. You said it yourself. Why even bother? And then she tells him, people will want to go to it because you're passionate about it. And people love what other people are passionate about. How true do you think that is? Uh, very true. I think so, too. I think that's a very real line. And it, it, like, it, it hit me. I'm like, man, that's, that's something he needs to take into account here. He better go out and you know start his club. But then he kind of like says some douchebaggery things to her. But who who taught her that though? Oh, the passion thing. Yeah, exactly. He's the one who taught her that from the beginning. So his whole his character changed completely, and so did hers. Right in the beginning, yeah. he's the guy who's doing his own thing. He's gonna do whatever he wants, and his uh, his life is dictated by his whims. Hers is dictated by other people. Hers is dictated by the opportunities that other people are giving her. And she's desperate for other people to give her a chance. Meanwhile, he's saying, look, this is my chance. Do whatever you will with it, right? This is like the point where I, I was like, this is where the direction shines. Like, it's just so well done. The character arches of both of these characters, where they both start off, where they meet, where they diverge, and then they come back. Absolutely. Did you like the ending? Did you like that they didn't end up together? No, I loved it. Actually, I loved the ending too. Then this movie should be called something else. If it, they did end up together, it shouldn't be called La La Land. Uh, well, not just that. Like, I mean, I like the ending and that that they didn't uh, end up together. But I like that they also had that solid like 10 minute sequence of the what if like they had ended up together. Right. Like what if they had like never fought about anything and made it work out? That was just a great, great sequence. It still gives you that 
are leaving the theater with a smile, even though they technically didn't like work it out. Giving the audience what they want without actually giving them. So it's a win-win pretty much. That's so interesting too. Have you, I can't think of a movie where I've wanted two characters to be together more than this one. (laughs) That's what I'm saying, man. From the very beginning, we're rooting for them. These are characters you can get behind. How, right? How does that happen? That happens through amazing, I think, amazing writing of the in terms of the script. I think it happens through masterful, real, authentic dialogue where the characters are playing off of each other and flirting so naturally with each other and just masterful acting, like world-class acting. Where you, even even honestly... In the beginning scenes, their song and dance sequences, they're the weakest singers and dancers in the whole movie. You notice that? They're the weakest ones. And he's like, you know, he's not, they're nothing special, but you're rooting for them. Because they're still, I mean, they're still amazing. Yeah, they're so amazing. <laughs> but like them not being the best just makes it feel a little more authentic and more genuine to us as an audience member. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that that's, that was there for a reason. They they could have easily placed shitty dancers around them, but or they, or they could have just done his voiceovers. But they actually sung those. They sung them perfectly, but it was real, right? The only the only song where I thought that there was like really good singing was hers when she was singing about her aunt. I forget what that song is called. It was really really good performance by her. But again, I think that she was. I mean, maybe she had. Maybe that was towards the end. She had more training. I don't know what it was, but. You're rooting for them because of the direction, because of the writing, and because of the acting. And it's so clever. <laughs> I think it was so clever that he made us, he forced us to root for these two the characters. The song is called Audition, The Fools Who Dream. The Fools Who Dream. Yeah. What a great song. So that's what I'm talking about. The lyrics in these songs were inc- were incredible. They were awesome. They were amazing. They were. They were. Honestly, all the points you've made recently, I'm going to change my writing score. I'm going to put it up to a 75. I have it at 65. I'm going to change nice. it. Nice. <laughs> no, because the whole character art stuff, I mean, I need to give that more credit. That was, that was just very well done. And then the music is just enjoyable. And the lyrics are good. What was your favorite scene? What was your favorite scene in this entire my movie? My favorite scene or my favorite shot? Both. We'll go both. I know your favorite shot was probably at the um, when they're singing that, that song when they're uh, What a Waste of a Lovely Night. No, my favorite shot was right after um, Mia tells Sebastian, like, I'm going home, like home being home, home. And she drives uh-huh. off and Sebastian's in front of the theater it with his car, it's an empty street. It's just, it's like a painting to me. So it's, it's an incredibly beautiful shot. Um, as far as my favorite scene, yeah. though, my favorite scene honestly is the what if scene. It's just too feel good, too happy. Like that entire sequence is just, I loved it. Yeah, it, that, it's really in your face, isn't it? That that thing, the whole sequence is very in your face. I can watch this movie over and over and over again. One of my favorite scenes in this movie was when she's at that party and she comes out of the she comes out of the bathroom and everything is a slow motion and she's this the music is slowed down you know you know see what I'm talking about and she's going yeah, through yeah, the party yeah. and then like everyone's like kind of still but each person is like with someone else each, each everybody's with someone else outside of her and it's just like everything's a slow motion I thought that scene was 
beautiful. That was a good was scene. Awesome. That was, uh, and then that's when the next song starts, right? Because everyone's like still, and then someone jumps into the pool, and boom, the song starts. Yeah, that was right. that was a good scene. Right, right. All right, dude. Well, I think that's all we got. There's not much else. I think we've discussed everything. Amazing movie. Yeah, definitely agree. a great movie. Definitely worth watching. I think we both agree on that for sure. Yeah. If you like musicals, you're going to love it. If you don't like musical, you're going to definitely still like it. I think you'll still love it. I mean, if you don't like, if you, I mean, I know people that just like uh, can't pay attention during the songs. Um, sometimes songs are too long for them. <laughs> I mean, it happens. Like we're in a different world now, man. People can't listen to a song for more than two minutes. Get off of your phones and pay some goddamn attention. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Well. Okay. So we'll leave it at that. Thanks for listening, everyone. Thank you for listening to this production of the Twice Over. If you would like to keep up with us, please subscribe wherever you listen and check out our website, thetwiceover.com. And follow us at the Twice Over on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. If you would like to support us, you can do so on Patreon, or you can just tell a friend about this podcast. And finally, if there are any comments or feedback, please email them to us at comments at thetwiceover.com, or you can just tweet at us. The music you hear is from Amerigo Gazaway. Check him out on Bandcamp and Spotify. We'll be back next week with another episode. Like you didn't want to watch Game of Thrones because you were like, I'm not into fantasy. Okay. I can totally see you. So I can totally see you. <laughs> I've never said I'm not into musicals though. And I've never I said know, I'm I not know. into rom-coms.